The Big Fat Mermaid, Chapter 5, Villagers Find Aria. Do you know Aria? Did you know Reader? The fat rises in water. And you have Reader ever been in a pool and held a ball underneath water and let it go and watch it fly up the water? So you then can imagine how Aria exploded out of the ocean when she first got her legs. After destroying the water which is stored, Aria woke rose up around the entire ocean. Through the entire ocean in 15 seconds and flew up naked 10 yards from the air, smacked her head on a rock and fell down, back down and washed limply ashore. She had laid on the shore about seven minutes before a human villager spotted her. He approached and her cautiously and curiously. Hey, what's this then? He said, he came closer, poked, grabbed a stick of piece of driftwood and poked the big, white, flabby form of Aria, the big, fat human. Aria didn't stir at all, but it seemed to spook the man a bit as he jumped back after the poke. He turned around and said, put his hand in his mouth like a horn was called. Hey, everyone, come look at this. Someone's come washed up ashore. It was about this time that Crustaceans surfaced, having spotted... Oh yeah, he was frightened to see a small crowd of funny dressed mermaids going around her lip, limp form. He swam to the rock and was close to Aria and hid. Oh my, oh my, grasped the big approaching service woman. Service woman. There, what is this? That is rabble edge. Oh, cried an old farmer. It has a foul stench about it. What is it? A young woman cried. Asked a man on her side, clutching his arm. Looks to me to be a dead walrus, said the young man. No, it's a, a sea, said a sea Maybe it's a sea meant to be. It's just sleeping. You tell me the way it smells, said Mr. Nigel Fizzlebottoms, a trader. That was once a seal, their bloated carcasses float up to the shore every so often this season. I've seen those before. Oh, it runs back from the kingdom. Don't you feel, think it's a seal, Fleming? Fleming, a slowly looking boy, shrugged his shoulders in a bald way. No. Disagreed a leather faced seaman, nodding suddenly. I've seen this up the north before. That be an iceberg. No, said a precocious girl. It's too warm to be an iceberg. Show me out of the seaside tavern. Come a man with a big beard. A pipe, a cane, and a wooden leg. Ahab, oh, what's this? What to be about all the commotion? He, Ahab cried in his grizzled voice. Captain, replied to one of the sea ants, what do you make of this? As Ahab approached, he almost fell over himself. That be the world that bit my leg off, the scourge of the seas, the beast of the deep. It can't be a well, said a big, the big someone. It has to be. Don't be there, woman, Ahab cried. It be well, she be full of blubber, and see here, he said, pointing with his cane at the body. She be a blowhole, aye, she be a well, and she be my well. Boy, he called back towards the tavern, fetch me harpoon. Oi, oi, captain, answered the boy, running off into the distance. Crash still hiding behind his rock raft. Now you have me revenge, said Ahab, and I mean me. Me fortune from all the barrels of whale oil. Wait, stop! The crowd turned as a whole to see a 
group of shabby-looking beach bums. Most of bandanas wrapped round their heads and wearing no shoes, run up to the rope as fast as they could. Oh no, groaned Mr. Fuzzlebubbums. Here comes the ghost goofballs from Well, Stop, cried the leader of the goofballs, a man with a nasty, short nasty beard, wearing only shorts and open vests. We're here with the water helpers. You always love everything. We can't let you have these beautiful, amazing sea creatures. The crowd graphs, shared small graphs and disbelieving looks. A polite new fjords. Are you sure this is beautiful? We thought she was, it was dead. They did a well, grave area, good look. Dermister said, well, maybe it's not the prettiest animal in the world, but we're committed to help everything. Ahab smacked the man on the crown of his head. Miss Kane said, Wally, no one gets in the way of me and my little well. Anyone who gets me in my way, I bear their guts and gutters. Well, leader fell to the ground. He pulled Ahab's wooden leg from under him. Then pulled it off completely. As Ahab went down, the grubby man, also from well, tried to punch him. He missed as Ahab fell and punched him. In fact, servant woman square in the face. Whole crowd burst into small but heated riot. Crustacean, seeing the chaos, scurried up to Arian and tried grabbing her from her little, little punches. Drove back and back and see his hotel. She couldn't, wouldn't budge. In this moment, a large, red, gloomy carriage came bumping down the road, nearby road, pulled up by a small, was pulled by four small horses, decorated with flags, uttered by mounted soldiers. In the carriage was Prince Daniel II, ruler Ethelon, Prince of Dignity. He was a serious man, but not old. He wore white pants, white gloves, riding boots, and a red coat, and with pins, print, print, many pins, prints on it. Principality is like a kingdom. So the kingdom is ruled by a king, and principality is ruled by a prince. Prince Daniel looked out of the carriage window at the rolling group of hippie sailors and spiders. Oh no, Grandpa. They'll be at it again, raising his voice in command. He said, Let's go defuse this situation before all things get out of hand. The carriage swerved off the road and went bumping down the steep sandy beach. The guards dismounted and went into the crowd. Then he break it up. Kirsten pulled a flap of Eric's fat over him and hid. The servant opened the door to the carriage, pulling out some small little stair, some little stair, stairs for the royal feet to step on. Prince Daniel promptly stepped onto it. The crowd was still. What's the meaning of this disturbance? asked the prince. Ahab was first to answer. Them long-eared fruits, he said, pointing to the activists. Be trying to cheat me out me well. No, cried a woman from well, in passionate response. It's not your will. It may be hideous and weird, but it deserves to live. The prince approached the creature in question, looking over it. His eyes, his jaw dropped. Dad, he said quietly to himself, it's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. It's curves. She's like a fluffy pillow. This is, this is no animal, announced the prince, shaking his, off his wound, standing and turning the crowd. This is a woman. The crowd gasped and shot my disbelief. The prince continued. She's passed out, probably injured and in need of urgent care. Gods, help her into the carriage and take her to my place where she can care for didn't in dignity and respect, see to it that all her needs are met, and that she is not disturbed. At this the guards had to restrain 
raging at him. No, he yelled in frenzy. Don't be fooled, she'd be a crafty beast. Nonsense, said Prince Easy. Easily. I'm sure she's no beast. You'll be making the biggest mistake of your age, cried called Averb. After rigging up makeshift believer and pulley systems with some heave and some hose, now exhausted guards, prince and villagers managed to get a area into the prince's carriage. Christine, an unfortunate lobster, been stuck in one of the girls' flabs, was along for the ride, with the girls' safety in and in and pulling falling up filling up the carriage. Prince Daniel moved up up to sit by the driver in the open air and gave the signal to be off. A flicker the reins of the horse, horses began to slowly pull the carriages forward again. Their legs shaking and their eyes buggering, buggering with effort. Saying, giving sad and strained cries that well after it looked a piece of pity, the carriage turned around and made its way back towards the prince's place. Chapter 5. The Witch is Back. Down in the white stone palace in the of Atlantis, Poseidon was holding court and preparing to pass strict judgment on one of his subjects for a crime of stealing a seahorse, lightly involving several punches to the face inflicted by the king himself. With a series of distant booms and screams began to sound in the distance. Less than a minute later, a thin soldier, very lightly armoured, burst through the palace doors and yelled without approaching the king, Sire! Sire! The witch is... Witch! The witch, water witch has broken through the city walls and making her way to the palace. As you speak, you need to stop uh, uh, since in the ocean someone can just swim over traditional walls. Murphate walls were actually a great doom covering the city. They open and close in many large places like gates. Indeed, there's no fitting word for this structure in the English language. Bruni, demanded the king. Yes, sire said the scout, quickly nodding. How can she do this? cried one of the nobles in the attendance. A hatred for me that knows no bounds, said the king gravely. I will no longer be merciful. I see this old hag blasted down to the depths where she was born. Zip, so pow, the scout was sent flying as the front of the walls of the palace exploded inward with a green flash of light. Large pieces of stone, rubble, flew in, into the room, injuring many of the nobles and courtiers. The king alone, with his throne, had been blown off with the stone dialers. Through the dust and floating debris, a dark form entered, a bony mermaid, with black fin and grey hair, Boonia. She entered, she shot two tight white beams of light at the guards, who made, made to stop her, find them instantly. The fur guard dropped his beard and showed his empty hands. Poseidon threw the throne off himself and swam forward. Stop! he yelled. Stowing before Bodinia, he raised his hand high in the air and made to shoot her with his ring of powering. Power his ring. Nothing happened. What the? He looked down his hand on his finger where his ring belonged and he caught and what he would call an unring. No! Do something, Poseidon, said the witch with a spiteful haughtiness, flipping a gold ring in one hand while spinning it, it swing the other. Oh, yeah, shouted the queen, punching his own face into rage. Dash it down, man, blam it. Since the box is not allowed to swear, this is the best we can do.
Area, Chapter 7, Area Breaks the Floor. Oh, yeah, said the crustacean, pinching and poking the back big fat girl's face. Hello, wake up. Area grunted and rolled over the top of the lobster. What? She said, well, who's here? What do you want? Area looked around. She had, was dressed in an airy nightgown, lying in a large company bed. The room she was in was painfully rich, bathed in sunlight. One sight quickly seized Harry's attention. Along one wall of the stately bedroom was a table that was laid with fruits, chocolate, and some other delicacies that former mermaid had not seen before. Harry made him move a bit. A bird squelched in pain. Why do we feel so heavy? Why do we feel so heavy? She complained, forgetting she wasn't in the water. Area raised her arms up high and tried to swear out of the bed to the table of the bed floor. She fell, fell, uh, she fell face first out of the bed, crushing the nightstand, making the walls shake and even cracking the stone floor. Prostration. Free of his slabby suffocation, grasped in deep breaths. Why can't I float? said Area, popping on the floor like a huge fish out of water. You stupid girls, back Crestrain, we trained you to fence her feet. You can't swim anymore. The bedroom door swung open. Crestrain burrowed into the sheets as a thin and upright servant came running in. Madam, he said properly. Are you right? I felt an earthquake. Oh no, it shook you out of bed. You rushed to her side and began tugging in her arms to lift her up. Huh? I do you. The tugging was helping. Who are you? I'm a butler, Prince Daniel Stewart. He's asked me to be help me with your well being. Air put her hands on the turban centre, making him yelp in pain, caused it caused him used him as a cane to stand up where she'd fallen. There was a gut print in the stone. Ari stood in an ungainly way towards the table of treats and going to dig in, rubbing his neck and serving his back out of his hair. The servants asked patient, May I ask your name, madam? Oh, yeah, she explained. Oh, yeah, a beautiful name. Oh, tonight is special ball in your honour. Oh, yeah, groaned in, in pleasure. She tasted the chocolate. What is this stuff? She said. Chocolate, said the princess to her, blushing. It's Quite tasty, isn't it? Oh, yeah, said Aria, shoving as much of it in her mouth as she could, smearing on her face and hands. Prince servant cleared his face and said, In the closet there's a gown that's been sewn especially for you. What's it is? What is that? said Aria, with some bit of nut flying out of her mouth. What is what? said the servant woman. The word you said. Oh, gown, well, a dress. What's a dress? asked Aria. You know, clothes, fancy clothes, coming for, for your necklace. Where I come from, area, but shoving a whole apple in the mouth. We don't wear clothes, sometimes I wear clams. The servant groaned in dismay. Oh, you must come from the southern islands. They're a bit less conservative than what we are here. His face brightened again, but I'm sure you will find your attire. Quite fitting for a lady of your stature, it's quite elaborate. At this point, a woman entered the room, shouting in servant, her accent, saying, Mistress, your bath is ready. Oh, cried Aria, covering her ears. What are you talking? Why are you talking so loud? Excuse me, miss, said the servant woman. I didn't know you could speak our language. The fact that my 
what people, humans of this land, spoke the same language, apply its heavy regular contact. This astonishing observation is unfortunately not explained in the source of this fairy tale and must remain mysterious for the time being. And you thought yelling could help? said Matt Butler in disgust. Never mind, he said, waving off the servant girl's woman's response and turning to the chocolate faced girl. Oh, yeah, I'll leave you to your bath. I'll be back to fetch you when dinner's ready. This woman will help you prepare. He bowed and excused himself. Did he say dinner? said her area, hopefully. Oh, yes, madam. You'll have a right big supper tonight, area smiled. Let the servant woman lead her out of the room. I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna like it, she said. It fell on the woods of one killing her instantly. Chapter 8 Happy Hour at the Tavern In a tavern on the beach, a rowdy gathering of salt sailors, many with beards and crusts of salt on their clothing, clothes, passed around flagons of rum and other strong grogs, making merry after its steadily good haul. And this is what they sang The high seas to expose. To provide many of high hopes. The ocean is a wonderful scene. To find a fortune for you and me. Adventure, excitement and plenty to see. The ocean's only place we want to be. Master Sparrow's barrels with jib. A ship's... Sail, a sail ship's the only place we want to live. Only in the wood we line the human sea. The ocean's the only place that you are free. But on the high oceans, on the high oceans, following the ocean sprays and the sea breeze, they have some men who does what they can to see our fortunes of every man. Tells us where the fish are penny, that's how we made our hard earned money. Ayab put his hand in the air to show he had something to say. He sang to them mortally. Let the ocean be, or life it is true. But down the depths of the watery blue, a monsters and horrors are fiendish to see. Like the way where all that bit of me leg at the knee. The singers pause for a moment. Wait, Ab cried the soldier. Did you lose your leg to the diabetes? That'd be wrong, said I with kind fist. It would be the will, I tell you, chopping down on the fish. Oh, sure, said the other sailor. That was the salt water taffy that gave you diabetes. Yeah, chimed the other sailor. And you take your... You never took your sh- insulin shots. I didn't need insulin shots, but they have. Yeah, said the other sailor. My aunt Hercules, Hercules, said that you... That she lost her foot. Oh, enough, you swabs. They have... Cracked the two closest sailors' heads together like coconuts, innocent bystanders. There's talk of more singing. The sailors there all joined in for a couple more browsing choruses. We love to live on the high seas, on the high seas. Where there's no one who tell us to do anything you, you don't please. There's nothing better than living on the high seas, on the high seas following ocean seas and the sea breeze. They clink their mugs and drank them down, cheering Ahab sat down at a table. So when are you going to get the white well, asked the sailor. You mean, said Ahab, that beast that walks on land now? What do you say, Captain, the other young sailor from across the island? 
It'll be a land well now, said Ahab, with fire in his eyes. That will be walking about the prince's crew. It'll be all trick. First you get all chummy with the prince, then down the hatch you goes. Well, we'll be ready to swallow the whole country. You have seen that the fat girl that took the prince took up the place it was your well. Aye, she be well. She be land well now. Well, how did you do that? Turns out she been I meant a bit amphibious all along, say I like a turtle. Like a turtle you say Ahab? Aye, like a turtle. So she be she's got a show, Ahab, said the sailor sitting on the bar. Course he ain't got no shell, said the sailor next to him, smacking him across the back of his head. Oi, no shell, said Ahab. My lungs be the same. Well, what are you going to do about it, Ahab? I tell you what I'm going to do, said Ahab, raising back his feet. I want to get got me there, well. The sailors cheered and sang one last time. There's nothing better than living on the high seas, on the high seas, following the ocean breeze, the sea breeze. Horses, Mark. Podcast show. Children's stories. The Big Fat Mermaid, Chapter One. A long expected and ruined party, once upon a time in an underground kingdom comprised of beautiful corals and crystalline shaped sandstone castles, an evil witch and enormous maiden. You know what, that. Never mind the introduction. Let's just skip to the action. You really outdone yourself this time, crustacean, whispered Poseidon, merman king of Atlantis, an underwater kingdom. He was shirtless and muscular, wearing a shiny gold crown and a long white beard that floated about as he spoke. Thank you, Your Majesty, Your Highness, whispered back Crustacean, a talking lobster with a Caribbean accent. You only do your best of performances for your birthday. The two were sitting in a special box in a spacious white stones at- atmosphere. Mermen, mermaids, fish, turtles, crabs, sea s- stars, occupy, and other, wa- other water creatures sat or rested, and not only all sea creatures had butts to sit on. Join the show. The show was an opera composed specifically for King Poseidon's birthday, which came came to be titled La Birmingham, good version, or totally, Hey God, Sky is Back. I can't wait, whispered Poseidon with barely contained glee, to see who saved what you say for this final scene. On stage, a dashing mermaid actor, playing the role of Sea Caesar, was singing to assemble distinguished sea fish. Sea Caesar, a just fish, became first emperor of the sea after putting down the ocean senate of bleak warfare. In realization of the murder of his uncle Jules in first, Sea Caesar, Denzel and Petty, and now all senses ye, I bring a gift quite sea large to thee. If you give me my power due, I will give my daughter to you. She's a prize, you see. She's the wildest thing you'll see in the sea. Hand your loyal crowns to me, and you have this shell. Contents are free. A massive clothed clam was wheeled on stage and pushed by two burly angelfish, dressed as slaves. One of the swordfish actors began to sing, My lord, we know it's true. We know you owe your allegiance to you. Through no gift can we store your glory. Open a clam we can see. 
end this story. Very well, saying Caesar's spots. Open the shell. This is going to be great, said Poseidon, rubbing his hands together and enjoying the show. The slave angelfish actors heaved open the gigantic claim. It sprang open. It was completely empty. The pools, the audience graphs, so did the actors. What a twist, cried Poseidon. Who knew that the sea Caesar would have would offend the Senate by giving him an empty clamshell. Crustacean, however, did not look pleased at the compliment. He looked terrified. He quickly scurried off the king's special box and swam backward. The handsome mermaid at the playing sea still looked shocked, began to sing again. Ah, uh, yeah, he said hotly. I'm really sticking to you. I said my, my daughter was here, but it's not true. I think you'll probably be true for just a minute. Because we send that clan back and try again. Ah, uh, part two. The Cleefish actors looked at Caesar actor with blank expressions. He whispered loudly, Take it back, we're stage again. At that moment, a young, frightened-looking actress swam on stage. All, she all but yelled at the actors, Oh, it's not backstage. We can't find her anymore. Where? A pause, and the actors slouched over, face-palmed. The audience groaned and began to boo. Boo! The king's daughters did it again, yelled an Irish orange fish in the crowd. Just like the princess did last year, shouted an angry dolphin. Constration, now swam on stage, looked up with the king in the box, and the laughed nervously, and stroked his big pincer claws. Beside his face grew bright red. Bowling and water shot out of his ears. He rose, sat in his seats and yelled, Oh, yeah! Poseidon made his way down to the crowd. No, your majesty, cried, cried Constantin. Remember your blood pressure. Power, Poseidon punched a random mermaid square in the jaw. He smacked the mermaid back on the head. He clunked two fish together. He flung the orange octopus away. He slammed the organist to the keys, kicking uh, knocking him out with cold with a shriek of the organ. It's okay, said Crustacean, dodging fleeing at us. You see, question fixes. The king made his way up the stage, picked up a prop statue, and held it through the set. Oh, here we are, said Crustacean, hiding under his pincers as the guests ran out of the chamber, screaming. What was it so important you could could not turn up to your father's mercy for this discovery? Chapter 2, The Chase Yum, 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 num, 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 said Nightmarian, smacking his, her lips. This is really good. It's like a pole in my mouth. Introducing our protagonist, Aria, also known as the Big Fat Mermaid. She had red hair and a green fin, like one might expect in a mermaid. This sort of tale to have. And of course, she was modest enough to clothe Herself with a set of clam shells, but unlike other fermaids, this fermaid had more folds than you could ever hold more flabs you could ever hope to grab. She got rolled into herself continuously. Her own skin was also stretched out tight and fit to burst. Her overall appearance was something like an overfilled water balloon or grossly filled a grossly bag filled with jello or a trash bag full of bacon grease. Her cheeks are round and bloated. She had many, many chins. Even her fin was extra wide. In short, Ari and Momo were so fat that no joke could ever communicate a true matter of this. Aria, come on. It's getting late, said Torty, a large and a nervous-looking turtle, with a boyish voice. 
The sun was setting in the ocean. The sky swelled with orange and pink light, gradually fading to the blue. Dark blue, except large sailing ship, floated lazily in the ocean water with lanterns on its lit, lit sails unattended. On its deck, its whole crew, singing and drinking, eating, it was the size of its party. Below them to the port on the water's surface, another party was also happy to make very merry as a sailor emptied a barrel of rotten bread off the side of the ship. Those surgeons didn't see it. Most of them had landed on an open mouth. Arrow's mouth. In that ocean logo, logo, starboard means to the right side of the ship, and port means to the left. The easy way to remember this is port and left. That is, the port and left both have four letters. Polly. Oh, we really shouldn't be here, said Tony. It's not safe, and your dad's got to be go mad. So don't, so what? I don't care. This food's amazing said Aria in a whining, nasal voice. She scooped as many of the rotten loaves of bread as she could get in her mouth. You've got just worry too much. But, began Tolly, if Dad finds you out you've been eating human food, we're going to blow his top. I don't want to be between you and him when he does. Don't care, said Aria. Aria said totally gently. We go home, and maybe we can work out on your emotional difficulties and figure out why you're eating so much. Maybe we're addicted to food. You know what I think about that? Asked Larry when Belch loudly in the boat's face. Larry began talking hopefully. If you just uh, eat seaweed, like the rest of us, maybe you can get some gassy. Shut up, don't he? Shouted Larry. Ding, 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 dong. In the dark distance, an approaching vessel obviously appeared in the horizon. Aria picked up the sunny bear. Oh, well, yes, said Totty nervously. That's no dinner bell. Ahead, the whirling ship in the moldy clothes. Yes, the soldiers sang the bell. Rang the bell to signal the general quarters of all our hands on deck. Called Arab the grizzly sea. Captain, he had a netted and grey, long white beard, a thick dark cloak, a wooden peg, and a pipe in his mouth. There she blows off the boat barrel, leave it the white, join a fish, the white well, then bit off my leg, clean into, we'll get her this time. Sailors assembled the deck, now in varying states of dress. Captain, a question of Captain's first mate, a plump man called Burger. You mean that massive breast aboard that ship here? You're pointing off the water by another fat, not much larger sailing vessel. It's none other than Aria. A big fat mermaid was feasting on rotten bread, along with her pal, Turtle Pal Turtle. Aye, that be her. That'd be the well blessing and curse by the day that I forget, forgotten the sight, Captain Boy. Bring me one biggish harpoon. Wait, wait, called the boy. In reply, running. Oh, get her this time, said Ava. No one, no one in particular. He had no escape. Elsman, Ava called. Come, there's alongside her, bugger. Ava had said, turning to the man, You'll be talking the ship. You're ready to boat, so I'll be taking one of them. Men scurried to ready to free up the three boats are held on the ship side and not in use. They used being to carry the crew out to Hyperm Wells. 
Oh, Captain, said Baba, we'll be too close to the other, sh- to the other ship. Oh, this time we'll be too close, yes, I am. No, said I, uh, my eyes narrowing and uh, fixing so I tell you now, and nothing will stand in the way of me and my will, nothing. Captain said one of the hands, Are you sure that's a well? It's almost like a mermaid, a big fat mermaid. Yes, yeah, it's a sponge, said I, uh, shaking his head. It's all such things as mermaids, unicorns, and leprechauns of business to be. See here, said I, uh, pointing to the mermaid. This beast be far too fat to be a mermaid. Be such a bitch, did he ever be? Ye be too fat to be anything but a well. Some say he has nodded their heads in agreement. Others furrowed in their brows. And were some logic. Next to my established fact that the well bit off my leg. First mate looked like he might rise an objection, but Abe continued without noticing. Finally, if that beast over there be a well, and if it be a well that, that would bit my leg off, it stands to no reason this be a well that bit me leg off. Even the uneducated and the superstitious sailors seemed alarmed at this crazy reasoning. But Captain said the sailors carefully, Are you sure? That uh, makes sense? His question was never answered. Captain interrupted the lookout crow's nest. Oh, don't you? spotted us. Harriet began lazily swim away from both ships. We totally funny closely. Full speed ahead, the older girl. Ye not be getting away this time. Once the sails were made ready, the ships quickly gained speed and caught up where Ahab ran, hobbled with his wooden leg, climbed into one of the boats, each boat with two rowers and our boom. Launch, said Ahab. A men sat and held on tight as the boats crashed into water. Row, said Ahab, yelled. Oh, faster than ye old ever rode before. Harpeners be pick quick. Make ye every spear count. Men heaved and grunted as they rode. A boat sped out to form a circle around the area. She stopped swimming, turned around and crossed her arms, smiling snugly. A BC has stopped, yelled a mate, cried a mate, captain one of the other boats. I can't believe I can't believe you're chasing me again, well, when we are in the noise of us. Didn't you have anything better to do? What's that? said Berger. Did she say, did you say? She's, she's making her will song, cried Ever. Did you not listen to her darker tones? There be the siren song designed to loom into the doom. It's kind of sounded like words to me, said one of them. One of the mates, nay, it all be delivered. We all wet quick before he dies down to the murky dirt, said Ahab. He moved on in front of the boat, hopped held high, from well. Just as the three hummers were ready to throw the deadly lances, Ariel made a siren sound that sounded something like it. It's time to go, Dory. I first I need to wave goodbye. She raised up a grim fan and slapped the ocean surface. A loud crash and waves spread from where a tail smacked the water. When it reached the boats, they were thrown up high. Ariel falling dropped his harpoon as he flew into the water. Other men had fallen as well. A bell came as they bowled a Moby Dick crow's nest and amid calls, Man overboard! No! cried Sayab as he surfaced. Don't let her get away! But a mermaid retorted in tow, flipped her tail and dived in, into the water. Blast! said Sayab, unbelieving. You mean you looting well, but I'll get you. I'll make me revenge.